0: caregivers have you
1: ever felt like nothing is going right well cheer up and welcome to Dave the caregivers caregiver radio program where you'll learn how to avoid that dreaded thing called caregiver burnout and how to survive the grieving process join Dave and his guests now as they share practice tips and tools that you can start using immediately to help get you through this day now here's your caregiver
2: host Dave Nassani from Los Angeles and New York City, a big LA welcome and Big Apple welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I am Dave, the Caregivers Caregiver at CaregiverDave.com, along with my lovely co-host Adrian Gruber at the Caregiver Space. Say hello, Adrian.
0: Hello, Shatsy saying hello for me.
2: Shatsy, <laughs> what a
0: great
2: name! I bet you stole that from Happy Days, right?
0: Yeah. No, I stole that. From Blazing Saddles,
2: actually. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, we're coming to you live and on demand, twenty four seven, on sixteen global and audio and video platforms, including. And I'll give. I'll just tell you: iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, Podcast, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, Mixcloud, Listen Notes, Blueberry Player, FM, VIP Internet Radio, Facebook Live, Healthy and Caregiver And we're proud to be voted number two podcast out of. Let me just take a breath there. Out of the top six podcasts by Caring.com, and we have an exciting show planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? <laughs> she always has to agree with me.
0: Absolutely. Adrienne.
2: Okay, well, you took too long to answer. <laughs> <laughs> because
0: I was muted because the dog was barking. Oh,
2: well, that's, that's very considerate of you. <laughs> uh, anyway, our guest today is an amazing guest, and she wrote a book. She's an author. And I predict a best-selling author. And it's all about, well, first of all, I'll give you her name, Angie Sear, like a mm-hmm. seer of of good things. And tell us the name of your book, Angie.
1: The name of my book is My Time with Abuela, Coping with uh, Caregiving Through Humor.
2: Before we get started, I want to thank last week's guest, which I think was... Uh, we didn't do anything last week because we were just so overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed with traveling, but the week before, um, I think it was Adrian and I just talking right. stuff. And so you can watch or listen to all of our interviews on our membership website, CaregiverDave.com, or any of our other 16 global and video national platforms that I mentioned earlier, and iTunes, YouTube, and all those other places. All right, enough of that. Our guest today, Angie. Seer <laughs> is with us, and Angie, we've got some questions for you, but before I ask you any of those questions, I want to ask you a different question, and okay. this is just so we can get to know you. Um, why on earth was Angie Seer born, and what, what does she hope to give the world by her presence here?
1: Wow, that's a deep question.
2: It is. We start out <laughs> deep here. <laughs>
1: Well, I think I was born um, to help people change and transform. That was like, because I'm kind of like a butterfly. I think of myself as a butterfly, and my mom loved butterflies. So that's what I I think. Um, But definitely to help other people, and I didn't know that until I started becoming a caregiver. Up until then, I had no idea what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. But... um, yeah, that's that kind of changed my life.
2: Gee, imagine that! Uh, I know it changed my life. Adrian, <laughs> did it change your life becoming a caregiver? <laughs>
1: um, in
0: in increments, yes.
2: In increments.
0: Yes, because there were times in my life I cared for for my grandmother, and then my father, mm. and then you know, then when marriage came along, things. Yeah. The incidents.
2: And a lot yeah. of people became caregivers when they were between the ages of 8 and 18. There's actually 6 million of them. Wow. And, you know, the labor code doesn't apply to them on lunch breaks and 20-minute uh, breaks uh, when they're caring for grandma. And sometimes they're missing school because there's nobody else. And we don't quite know how it affected their lives. All we know, they were robbed of their childhood. So, Yeah. Well, tell us, uh, how did you become a caregiver? How old were you? How did it happen, and all that stuff?
1: I don't know how to do the math. i was i'm fifty three now. It was eight years ago. So whatever age that was is when I started. Um, caregiving for my mom after my father passed away. she had um she was living on her own. She had a stroke, and um she needed someone to take care of her after that. Um, so, but she, she wanted to stay in her own apartment. <laughs> so that was the hard part for me. Um, luckily, she recuperated pretty quickly. It only took a few months from the stroke. So she was on her own for a little while um, in the apartment, but nearby. But I still had to go back and forth a lot. And that was that was kind of hard, you know, between my family and trying to help her out.
0: Were you in um, the same city,
1: or yeah, you, yeah, we North were it, it, in, the, in the same area. It, it's about a fifteen minute drive. Okay, so yeah, so it wasn't wasn't too bad at the time, but um, yes, yeah, she was a very independent woman, and she wanted to just be on her own. So, luckily, like I said, after the stroke, she recuperated pretty well, um, but then she started having other issues. So, um,
2: so, how old? How old did you say she was? When she had the stroke?
1: Um, it was eight years ago, and she died last year at 91. So, again, the math, I'm not sure exactly yeah. her age. How age long
2: yet. after your father died did she have the stroke? It was
1: a year, a year after mm. my father died.
2: Yeah, yeah. that's sad.
1: Yeah, did she, she was care his... for
2: him, too? Yes, yeah, she was so his long...
1: caregiver. She was his caregiver. Mm-hmm. And um, he basically um, had a lot of strokes, and he had mm-hmm. um, Alzheimer's, and it was hard. I would help her, but she was the main caregiver. Uh, and, and the last year of his life, actually the last eight months, she had moved away, um, and my niece and my sister were near her. Um, that didn't work so well for my dad because, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia mm-hmm. They don't do well with change So that just kind of Made it worse But at that point during those eight months I was traveling a lot back and forth Because it was a four hour drive And um, But after he passed away We convinced her to move back here mm-hmm. And um, that's when she said Only if I can live by myself In an apartment And mm-hmm. that's, where it, that's where it started
2: Wow So You are someone who decided to write a book. Tell me about that process of, okay, you're a caregiver, you're caring for your your uh, mother, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, um, did you think about writing the book while you were a caregiver or was it after she had uh, passed and you it were no longer a caregiver?
1: It was probably the last mm-hmm. year or two. Um, my... I was on social media a lot, on Facebook a lot, uh, Mm -hmm. kind of journaling the process, uh, journaling Uh, about my mom. And instead of writing down, I just kind of posted it on Facebook, all the stuff that was happening and um, even the, you know, stuff that, the good good and the bad, everything. It was kind of like just my diary almost, but the people, all my friends started getting to know my mom that way. She start, mm. They started to get to know her and, and love her and appreciate her. Some of them even came to come visit her. And so at once she was sick, and we knew because she ended up in hospice in my home, once she was sick, um, people were like, you you need to write a book. You need to write a book about this. Because mostly because I also wrote about the funny things she said. mm and that became kind of like people were looking forward to my posts at that point. And so that's why I decided well that's partially why I decided to write a book. I also my I wanted to get to know my great grandparents, but by the time I started asking uh, my mom, my dad, everybody for, forgot about, you know, they didn't know much about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The you know so I thought well if somebody had written a book or at least a journal about them then I would you know know more about them right. so I thought I'm going to do this for my future generation so they get to know her too so that's the other reason.
2: Well, Adrian and I are always big proponents of journaling because. Go ahead, Adrian. Tell them why you like. Well, for
0: it. me it. it it, it saved me uh, writing things out, not having somebody to talk to every day. I was caring for two people, so it's not as though I could, you know, go to one person and complain about the other or talk about the other in any way, dump, dump the uh, <laughs> the way I was feeling on them.
2: That and, was your your. And
0: in journaling, your, I could yeah. say whatever I I wanted. Uh, for those
2: who don't know, that was, your, out there. that was your husband and your mother-in-law. And
0: my mother-in-law at the wow. same time I was carrying wow. <laughs> two cancer patients. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and we just never know. You know, everybody, everyone I meet says, yeah, I'm going to write a book someday. Yeah, my story, you know. Yeah, my life. And I, I haven't met a person alive who doesn't believe that their life is worth writing a book about. But, you know. How many, well, we're not talking about you right now, (laughs) how many actually write the book, right? It's like 3% actually will write a book about their life or about something. And the others, there's this great book inside of them that just won't come out. And we tell caregivers, every caregiver's got a great story. Every caregiver needs to write a book. But how do you do it? Just journal. Just take that that legal pad that yellow legal pad or whatever or your computer and just say dear diary here's what happened today mm-hmm. <laughs> i had to clean poop exactly. off the ceiling don't ask <laughs> how it got up there
0: or whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. right yep
2: so you're you're journaling you're journaling you're journaling when do you realize or did you from the very beginning says i'm going to write a book i'm going to start with journaling or were you just journaling and says oh my gosh this is a book what was the process? No,
1: it wasn't until my um, my friends started telling me, I, you should write a book. Um,
2: Love the, those friends, huh? You should write a book. Yeah, <laughs> well, you really know. And
1: I'm like, <laughs> yeah, sure. But they kept going, no, you need to write a book. You need to write a book. And my husband especially was the, the driving force. Um, mm. he, was the, he was the one who told me. This stuff is funny. You need to post this on Facebook, and I'm like, that okay. wasn't funny. You know, that wasn't funny. That was annoying and that was frustrating. And they're, he's like, no, you have to put that on Facebook. And so when I put the put the first post, and the response I got from it, I'm like, yeah, you're right. It kind of is funny. You know? <laughs> I don't. You don't see it as funny when it's happening to you, but you know,
2: yeah.
1: everybody else can see it. So that's, uh, you know, I thought, okay. So eventually, way, I is- thought, okay, I am
2: this is the best time to write a book ever in the history of mankind because it's so easy. You don't even need a a major publisher. You can do self-publishing. You can do a book on uh, demand. And you can do Facebook Live, for gosh sakes, you know. In fact, my fourth book that I'm almost finished writing, it's in the editing version. Uh, All I did was transcribe over 100 videos that I did called Five Minutes of Dave's Hammock Wisdom. Because I, I have a lot of wisdom, people tell me. And, and I get it when I lay on my hammock. I solve the world's problems, my problems, my friends' problems. So, But a lot of people aren't on Facebook. A lot of people aren't on um, YouTube. So let's put it in a real print book form. And mm. there you have it. So I'm, I'm kind of, right? Because these videos are a form of journaling. Because journaling doesn't have to be writing. Absolutely. It can be video. And, and you've proven that. So kudos to you. And Thanks. Uh, it says Angelina. Is your name Angelina? Angie or Angelina. What do you want us my, to call you?
1: Well, everybody calls me Angie. My full name is Angelina. I put Angelina on the book just because that's what my mom called me. Angelina. She was from Cuba. Uh, it's a, in, 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 no, in, she's
2: from Huba, Huba. Cuba. 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 Cubana.
1: Cuba. 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 <laughs> So, so now, now you can get those a-
2: Cuban cigars and smoke them without uh, breaking the law. So,
1: uh, and,
2: and the no, only other I- Angelina <laughs> I know is Angelina Jolie. That's-
1: yeah, well, Angelina is. Um, everybody thinks it's it's an Italian name, but it's also a Hispanic yeah. name. But it just mm-hmm. print, depends on how you pronounce it. So right. Angelina in Italian or Angelina in Spanish. But because people didn't say Angelina, I'd said just call me Angie. So yeah. that's why. And if I it wasn't go by. for
2: "I Love Lucy," people uh, and the Cuban Missile Crisis, people would not even know where <laughs> Cuba was because <laughs> of Ricky Ricardo and his famous song. Um, what was it called? Bamba. Babalu. Babalu. Yeah, they were genius. Okay, well, getting back to you, what are family isms? Have we spoken okay, about that yet? Family?
1: No, we haven't spoken about that. Um, we. Start with abuela-isms, because that's what everybody loved so much about my posts. Um, anything that my mother said that was funny, whether it was not so nice to me or not, you know, if it was funny, it's an abuela-ism, and I would post it and, and hashtag abuela-ism. Um, so that's what those are. And then family-isms, my husband and my son, they don't know it, but they're they're hysterical. So they would, I decided to would I would post stuff from them too and family isms. So based on the response that I got from everybody, so that's what I, I put those in the book as well, was, a bullet isms and family isms. And that's the funny part of the book. So the book starts out with, you know, getting real with my family and, and growing up and both my mom and dad, because you can't talk about mom without talking about dad. And everything, you know, from the beginning. And then it goes into the abuela-isms, and then it goes into, you know, um, caregiving and self-care and all the stuff that we went through at the end. Uh, So, but yeah, abuela-isms and family-isms are the funny of the book. That's what kept kept us going.
2: You so need to become a stand-up comic because you've got all this material and you need, you need to take an improv class. I'm serious because this is the latest thing now. And I took an improv class. And, and my gosh, I could be a comedian. And I haven't done yet because I don't have the time. But I want to go, you know, on one of those uh, amateur nights at, at the comedy club or whatever. Yeah. I could just see it. You would be the perfect stand-up comic. Have you ever considered well, I, that?
1: Well, I have never considered that, but well. I certainly have enough material. Material. You do have enough
2: <laughs> material, but just take a class, and and say, hey, you know, I've got some stories, and tell a few stories, and I, they will say the same thing I'm saying because uh, you may have a new career under your hands because your whole <laughs> thing is about humor, right? Humor and caregiving, and yeah. there are a couple of people. Um, I think of Peter Rosenberger and another guy that he's with who who do caregiver humor like, uh, you know, you're a caregiver when, you know, and it's like right. uh, you have to buy a truckload of diapers or something like that. That's he does it much funnier than I do. Anyway, we're going to take a break. Don't go away and okay. we'll talk more about these funny isms and abuela isms when we get back. So see you soon. Don't don't change that channel. One arm, one leg, 100 words, overcoming unbelievable hardships, is about Charlene, a stroke survivor. Back in 1996, Charlene was a healthy, normal, very active 52-year-old woman whose amazing talents resemble that of both a Martha Stewart and a Wonder Woman. But all that changed when she suffered a massive stroke that left her severely speech impaired and paralyzed on the right side. Everyone who knows Charlene is thoroughly amazed at how she lives day by day month by month, year by year, and with a smile on her face and hope in her heart that everything is going to be okay. Just hear what best-selling author Lynn Barrington has to say about it. If you think you have it bad, read this book. This is a beautiful, genuine story told from the heart. It's inspiring and easy to read. When you finish this book, you'll be able to look at your concerns in a new light. One arm, one leg, 100 words, overcoming unbelievable hardships. Available everywhere. And we're back with Adrian Gruberg and myself and our special guest, Angie or Angelina Seer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do that every time I say your last name now. <laughs> <laughs> so, we were talking about her new book, How Through Humor. I'll go ahead and say the title. I'm going to mess it up
1: <laughs> Coping <laughs> with Caregiving Through, through. Humor.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm a terrible host through okay coping with care. Oh, got it all right so tell us um can you share some actual family isms from your book or and the and the uh, abu- abuela isms as well because i want to uh, laugh do you want to laugh adrian huh do you want to laugh
0: do you want to laugh oh, one always
2: i want to laugh so let's laugh give me some
1: hit okay. me okay all right so my mom was, was never afraid of death and she. She was okay with it, and she was actually looking forward to getting together with my dad in heaven. So we were talking about, or she wanted to talk about, um, um, you know, the funeral arrangements and all that stuff. And so I said, I, some ideas. I said, well, she wants," to, she said she wanted to be cremated. I said, well, why don't we do one of those burials at sea? <laughs> and she said, oh, no, I can't do that. I said, why not? She goes, because I'm afraid of the water.
2: That's <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I can't swim. Yeah, I can't swim. That's
0: that's
2: funnier. We should change that. Don't (laughs) don't let facts get in the way of a good story.
1: (laughs) No, she said, so that was her, it's her mentality. It's like, like, but mom, you'll be dead, so it doesn't matter. So (laughs) then she laughs afterwards, after the fact. So yeah, she'll have, (laughs) yeah, she had, one time we were listening to um, frogs outside, and um, she said, Chewie, Chewie I said, "What are you doing?" She said, "I'm mimicking the frogs." I said, "Oh, that's funny. I hear them as ribbit, ribbit," and she said, "Oh, you must be hearing the American frogs." <laughs> <laughs> so
2: just—oh my gosh. Those, those are just
1: some of the things that I could—that you know, I can remember. There's a bunch of them in the book, <laughs> and there's sure. a bunch of familyisms too. But I don't have the book in front of me right now. I didn't even think to bring it. Oh my it, so otherwise I'd be reading through it. Also, my so son, I don't have, my 18-year-old I don't have, son.
2: Uh, I don't have the title of your book in front of me, and you don't have your book in front of you. I guess we're equally you masculine. Go. No
1: cover. It's yes, Oh, wait. I do. Wait, do there I? You go. I have it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I okay. have it here somewhere.
2: Oh, well, sorry. you'll be better prepared for your second.
1: At, <laughs> at the commercial break, you can go get it. Okay, yeah. I'll go get it at the commercial break. <laughs> One thing I wanted to say was that um, my – youngest son is 18 and he uh wanted to contribute to the book so he's pretty good at drawing uh so i said why don't you do some sketches for the book and so he drew five sketches of abuela my mom who by the way her name was emelina so he drew some sketches for the book and i added a few of the it's like for like five sketches and with each sketch it's got its own page with an abuelaism on it, and it's it's hmm. it's just nice that it's you know part my son contributed to the book. Sure. So that was really really sweet.
2: How old is your son?
1: He's eighteen right now. He's
2: yeah. eighteen. He's going to be nineteen his, in August. What's his, his name? name William. William. Let's make him famous. Is he an author yeah. too? Is he encouraged by his mom's? Uh, author no, he's too? an
1: illustrator. I put him down as the illustrator. Okay. Ooh. I put him down yeah. as the illustrator, yeah, for the book.
2: He could probably, if you could do it, he could do it. I mean, it's in, it's genetic. Oh, I'm
1: sure he can. <laughs> Any, anybody oh. can write a book. All you need to do uh, is just uh, write it all down and then organize it. That's the hardest part, I think, of writing the book, is yeah. organizing it's, all your thoughts. It's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. To
0: To edit and, you know.
2: Well that's yeah, why you got to find all the retired school teacher friends that you have <laughs> who have now become old maids and they're bored with life but you say, "Hey, I heard that you are a pretty good editor. Can you find all the typos and grammatical errors and the punctuation marks in this?" And then they have a new leasehold on life. Well, Charlene
1: sardine? I has I an got brave. And
2: I do that. You agree? What
0: are you assuming retired yeah. school teachers who edit are all women? <laughs>
2: Well, well I got to tell you, too?
0: you said
1: women.
2: <laughs> a man too. I'm sorry. I, yeah. I don't. I temporarily lost. I got to tell
1: you, the people who edited my book uh, were three men. <laughs> Good.
2: Man editors. Imagine and, that. Yes, and they, I heard they have um, men and myself, school teachers I got the too. Last,
1: I got the last edit. Of. So really? it took a, a lot, a lot. I mean, I just. Edited and edit. I mean, I guess that's what you have to do when you have a book.
2: It's just oh yes, you have to read it a hundred times, just, and on the hundred and first time, you're still finding errors, and then yeah. after you, you know send know it to it the publisher heart, and but... it comes back, you still find errors. So I mean, and it's
0: but after a hundred times, you, get... you know
1: it by heart.
2: After well, you get times, to the I'm point where you it. just have to I'm sick of it. <laughs> you get, yeah,
1: you get to the point where you just say
2: just, that's it. The you, heck know, you just it.
1: have just, to say this is going to be the last one.
0: And this is
1: to be the last one. You ha-
0: Otherwise, you you must hand it off to somebody else because you've had your exactly eyes on it for yeah. so many, you know, for so and, long.
2: And I said all that screw it after 25 times. But then I said, <laughs> oh, no, let me try it one more time. And then and then I was going to ha- – and then one more time. And then next thing you know, you're at number 100 because you just, you know, you just can't, like – let go of this baby it's not ready to give birth to Mm. or you can't eat that cake because it's still yucky in the oven you know and (laughs) and so you're forced well i got nothing else better to do let me read it again and you still find errors and then and then after a while you just realize that you can't let this thing go in an imperfect state but then you realize that you know what it's perfect enough i know it's not perfect but it's perfect enough Get it out of here. I'm tired. You're in your ninth month of labor. and <laughs> says, get this thing out of me, <laughs> you know, and you give birth, and then you can go live your life again. It's you know. But you don't even have to write anymore. You can dictate. I know a guy who just dictates his books, and then he gives it to somebody, and they fix all the, uh, the errors because there are lots of errors when we dictate our books. As sure. Dictate anything, yeah. dictate our texts and what have you. So is that kind of what you did? And what was the process of you writing? Um, convince us how easy it is to write a book.
1: Well, I actually enjoy journaling. So um, to me, I just, took, like I said, I, I posted it on Facebook. And then I had to go back from 2011 on to 2018 and, like, bring them all in one by one, uh, yeah. year by year, bring them all in so I could put them into a document. And then from there, I said, I'm going to, like, elaborate on the story, like, go back and think about it. And then I started to take each post and just kind of made it a story. You know, what's the story behind this small post?
2: Yeah, I had to do that with my videos, too, because they were, you know, what you say in in real life uh, uh, through the mouth sometimes needs a little tweaking when you're putting it on paper. Right. I say you know a lot, and so it's not necessary to put all the you knows in the uh, yes in the printed yes. version. I and
1: actually I, left. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, um, and don't lose that thought <laughs> that <laughs> I don't want you to think that that I hated writing a book. It was fun, and I enjoyed it. it and yeah. you ask any mother who's giving birth. Oh, yes. You know, I'm so glad this this baby was born. But there are moments when you are uh, pregnant and there are moments when you're writing a book that you're just sick of it, you know. But generally, it was a great experience. So I, I don't want you to think that, that it, it labor. you. Say it again?
1: You
0: did it more than once.
2: That's true. I mean, if it wasn't fun, I wouldn't have done it four times. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Hope yeah. I didn't lose well, cool.
1: n- no, you didn't. Um, so with the posts, oh. it was like you said, it's not like what you speak. It's just kind of like, you know, so this, this. So I left it the way it is. The uh, the post, the abuela-isms and the family-ism, I left it. I didn't really edit it. So mm. the rest of my book is written, you know, edited. But those, I just said, please, you know, don't touch those. Those have to be genuine. That's the way they were written. Right. right? And those, those I left. But the rest of the book I ended up you know, doing the edits, but, um, Is, is the rest uh, of the book sort
0: of a memoir?
1: Yes, you said you went it is back. a memoir. Mm-hmm. Yes, I started, um, you know, with my mom and dad and, and my mom and cooking, there's a lot of stuff about cooking in there and mm. she hated my cooking. She hated my cooking. She was such a <laughs> wonderful cook. So, and I, had to learn, because for her, it just came naturally, you know, she would just do things, and she'd throw all the ingredients in, and I, uh, I can't even copy a recipe correctly, so (laughs) it was, it was hard, because also the doctor had given me a diet for her to follow, and she was like, nope, not doing that, Mm -hmm. and so it it was, that was the most difficult part, I think, it was the food stuff, but, um, also the, uh, The personalities, because we're totally different personalities. Mm -hmm. And um, it was really challenging. And the fact that she was always in control. She was the one in control. She was the wise one. Everybody went to her. And all of a sudden, it's just I'm the one in charge of her life. And it was daunting. It was, yeah, I was like, not prepared for that. And she was resenting that, so she would lash lash out, and that was hard because I wasn't very patient.
2: Did she ever? Right now, no. Go ahead. Yes, I can. I can wait. Go ahead. My
1: um, my friends are like, "Oh, you're such a saint. You have so much patience." (laughs) Like, (laughs) no, you say that
2: about me too.
1: No, it's not the case. I mean, (laughs) I I I would, you know, we would like get into these fights and. Uh, you know, it was hard to, you know, to just go through the the whole process of, you know, trying to because she was so independent and she lost it. She lost her independence, and now she's. I understood. Well, I didn't understand at the time. <laughs> I understand now what the fact that it's she. She lost her independence, and it's really hard Rest for training. her. Yeah, it's very frustrating for someone when they lose their independence and now somebody else is in charge of you. Um, But I was still—I had my family, I had my husband, I had all these things going on, and then I had her. So I was kind of hoping she would be a little nicer. (laughs)
2: Appreciate what you
1: do. Yes, appreciate, (laughs) but Uh -uh. you know, it didn't. I, my family would say when she talks to us, she appreciates you. She talks so well of you. I'm like. Why doesn't she say it to me? Uh-huh. You know, cuz at <laughs> yeah. the moment she's frustrated and she just she had to throw it. At. So you whole, only hurt the
2: ones you, you love, know. the ones you shouldn't hurt at all.
1: Yeah. And you were there. So it was, was close. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. You it's could it's take because it. we were so close. Yeah, as we were so close and apparently I could take it cuz I you're didn't think here. I could but. Mm-hmm. Really? Yep. And I'm not in a loony farm, so <laughs>
2: So I know she right. had a stroke. What were her symptoms that made her lose her independence and how quickly after the stroke did that happen?
1: Actually the stroke actually recovered very well. They called it a medium stroke, but it almost killed her. Yeah. Uh, but then a bleed she had a um, blood clot. It was a blood clot mm. and they uh they,
2: they got it quickly. They did
1: some sort of process through yeah, they got through it and they they Dissolved it, I guess.
2: Yeah. So then what um,
1: happened? So she, for the last, for the the two months after that, she was um, she couldn't walk well, she couldn't speak well, she was very confused, she couldn't. The speaking part was hard, Mm. but little by little, it's like her. She fought it. She says, "I'm." She even said, "I'm, I'm going to get better," and she just eventually everything went was fine with the stroke part, but she had. Lung issues and she had heart issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's what was slowing her down. And the fact that she refuses to eat well probably made things worse. Mm -hmm. Uh, She couldn't have, you know, especially salty foods. Um, That's why she thought my food was crap food because I couldn't put salt (laughs) in it. (laughs) The doctor's like, no salt! And she's like, she even told me one time that my food looked like cat vomit. That was one of the abuela isms. Mm. that was one of the abella isms. She's like, cat This vomit. looks like cat vomit. <laughs> I said, just taste it. She's like, It looks like cat vomit. I said, What it, what do you what does cat vomit even taste? I mean, how do you know what cat vomit? I said, just taste it. She's like, okay, right, fine, I'll taste it. And she eats it and she goes, It doesn't taste like cat vomit. But I'm like, <laughs> Well you know, it's like why is the way she's phrased everything, she just it wasn't fun for me. <laughs> But it was funny, so I posted it, and everybody yeah. else got a laugh. And once everybody laughed about it, you weren't laughing at the it,
2: time, were you?
1: Right. It, I wasn't laughing until everybody else laughed at it, because it was almost <laughs> like I'm like, is this really funny or not? So let me post it and find <laughs> hey, out. And yeah. then I posted, and I go, okay, that was funny. That was. Oh,
2: uh, succumbing to peer pressure, huh? <laughs>
1: so, that was funny. My friends were like, "Are you kidding, dude? That was so funny! You just, you know, she's just so funny." So they just kept waiting for the next one. But uh, yeah, it was um, it's, it's, it was a process. I mean, the whole thing it's it was eight years, mm. eight total. Oh. Three years on she was lived on oh. her own for three years, and then the other five years she lived with us. And then the last uh, six months she was in hospice, but here at home, so I was still here, so the nurses mm-hmm. would come three. Three times a week, you know the bathers would come well nurses right. would come twice a week bathers would come three times a week, and then so it gave me a little respite little you know, but it was still, uh, especially when she started um, she started getting into the dementia, and mm-hmm. she was always a very anxious she, uh, anxiety. She, anxiety was the big thing for her. We couldn't let her watch the news because she would think whatever was happening to the news was happening to her family. So- one um, time she called, she Was called it dementia?
2: Was, was it a form yeah, of dementia? Yeah, yes. Oh, it was
1: dementia okay. towards, towards the end, like the last year or so. So one time she actually called my husband and he answered the phone and she's like, Are you okay? He's like, I'm fine. You know, they don't even understand each other, but she tried to speak to him and he understood she was trying to find out if he was okay. And he said, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm okay. And so he called me and I ran into her room. I went, Why did you call him? She said, because it was on the news that there's this big flooding. And she went on and on. And I said, Mom, that's in Texas. We live in California. <laughs> that's that's not you know, happening. But she wasn't, you know, all there. So that was just stuff like that. But her anxiety got so bad that I, I couldn't, I, I felt like I couldn't go out. Even when somebody came over and said, hey, I'll I'll watch her for you. Mm. I felt like I couldn't go out because my mom would be freaking out. Where is she? Where is she? What's going on? And she'd start thinking, you know, something terrible is happening to me. So I got to the point where I just stayed home. I couldn't. I was like, I, I can't. She freaks out. By the time I got home, she was just a mess. So it's like, no, I can't do that. She mm. did have anxiety, anxiety meds, but that it didn't help a lot it made her sleepy and i'd have to hide it when we needed her to mm. take it because she wouldn't she she was afraid that if she took her anxiety meds she would not be able she would be too groggy to get up <clears throat> and walk out and if there was an earthquake or something okay this is the type of stuff she, this is the type of stuff that she felt
0: she's fearful so there was too. a lot of
1: very a lot of fear a lot of anxiety so i just i had to just stay home instead of, you know, being able to escape. So, had to come up with other ways. And um, I what had what were some, those other ways? Oh, if you can well,
0: if you if your respite is an outside, what did what did you do? Oh.
1: Okay, well, I have a little spot in my backyard that I call my happy place. Okay. So, when my mother was resting or when she was watching her little TV shows, I would take a deep breath and go out in my happy place. And just rest and look out into nature, and just that was one of the things. Also, um, I learned uh, some self care. Actually, Dave was one of the the um, one of my references that I went to. I saw him on uh, one of my friends posted. Um, something from his Facebook page and then so I started following Dave
0: (laughs) and I started
1: like okay this is good okay somebody else is is going through this or you know and then um, I have a friend who who is into yoga and uh, so she helped me by you know helping me learn to meditate Mm -hmm. and uh, you know one of my friends said you need to what is it that you love to do and I said well I like to journal I like to do crafts and she said do that whenever you get a chance Just sit down and just craft or paint or do something And those mm. things That I could do from home And um, so those were Just some of the things that I was able To do and of course Every once in a while I could go and do a Mani-pedi and you know that that was fun That always felt good
2: Well listen on that note let's take Another break and <laughs> we will Be right back
1: Go get your book
2: Here, okay. Yes go get your book And uh, <laughs> you can read some And uh, we'll be right back. Don't go away. Okay. All right. Thanks. We are a community of caregivers that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our Welcome Pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live weekly Connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story form posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group you can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs, all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You can get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we are here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope. And we're back with... Adrian Gruberg and me, Dave Nassani on The Caregiver Dave Show and our wonderful guest, (laughs) Anhalina Sear, best-selling author. And if it hasn't happened yet, it will. (laughs) And I guess I'm in your book, right? You put something. Oh, yes. yes. Let's Um, talk um, about me.
1: (laughs) I have a resource. um, (laughs) uh, I actually have a section called Grief, Love, and Hope. And help and self-care. And at the back, I actually uh, added your website and um, a couple of other people that had actually helped with, that I used as resources. Um, because I think it's important that caregivers do use resources to for self-care because you need to. You, yeah. My mom was in the belief that, you know you take care of your family and and you it's just all of them and you don't do anything for yourself so when i said mm. i wanted to go somewhere she was like what are you <laughs> talking about you need to stay home with your children you know yeah. and so that's how i you know fought and until you know my resources came along and then i right. realized i need to do this because <laughs> otherwise i'm going to go insane
2: so how did so, you empower I yourself with her how did how did you push oh, good back for
1: you. I got the book how did i um
2: how did you oh. push back when she would do that now that you were wise and and, and Okay, mighty?
1: it really wasn't until, like, the last year. Um, yeah,
2: that's better late than I, never.
1: Yeah. Um, and I basically just sat her down, and I said, Mom, I really I need to do this. I know you don't understand. I told her, I know you don't understand because things were different with, with you, but I need this. When I sat down with her, she she understood. I think she felt bad. Well, I know she felt bad. She kept telling everybody that she felt bad for me because I don't get to do anything. And I she's a burden um, and all so this stuff. So
2: she saw the light. So she, yeah,
1: she does do that. She told everybody else but me. So I knew that what she was feeling. She even, she hated dogs. And we, she even let me, encourage me to get a dog, even though I knew that she didn't like oh. them. Mm. And it turned out to be the best thing ever because yeah. she fell in love with the dog.
2: And so this is, she, she's uh, saying all this in her demented state?
1: This was before, um, like the last year. She should go in and out of the dementia part. I know yeah. the last six months, yeah, I pretty got covered pretty bad. But before that, yeah. it's like you can see it's coming, but it's not quite there yet. So she was still in between. So that's when, but but I just sat her down and I talked to her and I said, I need this. And she was, okay, I will try. I will try.
2: Oh, but, that's.
1: I, You're she lucky tried. because not she, all
2: of them are like that, you know. She tried,
1: mm-hmm. but it still didn't work because her anxiety would <laughs> kick in.
2: So, right. but she
1: did try. But I do have my book with me if you want to read. Want me to read you some yes, some of please. the Ebola isms? All right. So let me see which one. Okay. Okay, here's one that I thought was it made me laugh. <laughs> okay. So I the way I posted it was I post hubby. Hubby says I fixed the vacuum cleaner. Ebola giggling with glee whispers in my ear he didn't fix the vacuum the cleaning lady did (laughs) that was one of the things um let's see abuela did you bring anything back from your church event me cheesecake would you like some okay but remove the cheese i will just have the cake part (laughs) (laughs) she'll have yeah she knew what she
2: was saying right she just knew she was being funny
1: she wasn't. She didn't know she oh, was being funny. That's, a, so that's the funny So she's a Gracie
2: part. Allen kind of a person. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there you go.
2: My mother. There was you like
1: Yes, yeah, she was a Gracie. I don't know if the the younger John knows who Gracie Allen
2: was. Well, Edith <laughs> but... from uh, from All in the or, Family, or yeah. getting a little younger, Rose from The Golden Girls.
1: <laughs> yes. All, was, my mother
2: was, was all three rolled into one.
1: Yes, she was so that. It's very
2: hard when when they get dementia to know that they have dementia because they right. they act like that all the time.
1: Ditsy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah she Everyone was at the, the at the end she was at the end, but at the beginning she wasn't she was very yeah. um, you know in control and she mm-hmm. you know, but towards the end, yes, she definitely got ditzy but um it also the book also has a little bit of some photographs that I had posted on um, on uh, facebook and um it's just it's filled with a little bit of everything there's um there's this section that's called embarrassing moments Mm -hmm. um and it's mostly embarrassing for me just things that she would do um that or they were funny later on i could read one may i read one you may (laughs) okay okay this one's called costco confusion when I when I, I took mama <laughs> when I took mama on an outing to Costco when she was in her late 80s she saw a hispanic man looking at a very expensive refrigerator she looked at me and told me to watch my purse she said that this man can't afford that refrigerator and it's only looking at it to distract us while he grabs our handbags and runs <laughs> looking at her in shock i told her that if he truly is hispanic he can understand everything she was saying because we speak Spanish too. She said, "Good." Then he knows we're on to him. I quickly led her out of the store without looking into the man's face. But oh, right. I'm certain I heard him chuckling.
2: I love her.
1: So that's the the type of stuff that's in here, and there's just such a bunch How
2: of stuff. How can you get frustrated with such a wonderful I know, person, right? right? I know, right? I mean, you know what?
1: <laughs> At the end, I realized. Not only how wonderful she really was, but the fact that I always fought it and said I'm not like her. But little by little, I started realizing I am a lot like her. So yeah, I did, I, you know, yeah. So it's like writing the book helped me cope. It's it's almost like it gave me closure to complete the book. Mm-hmm. I actually. My goal was to complete. I, well, my goal was to complete it way earlier, but it took me a year once I gathered all the information because I had to put it down because I got so emotional about it. It mm. was. I, I was having a really hard time, um, especially like uh, eight months. Eight months after she died is when I mm. really just lost it. I think at the beginning I was trying to just say, okay, she was 91. She had a good life, and, and you know, I'm, I'm okay. I grieved a little bit, and I'm done. And I was kind of hiding it, but I yeah. had to really – you get to the point where you, yeah. just, you need to let it go. You need to to grieve through it. And so I had to finish. So I said, okay, my next goal is to finish the book, not just finish it, but publish it by the death of her anniversary – Mm-hmm. So that I have good memories of the day she died It's yeah. not the day she died It's the yeah. day I my book went up on Amazon mm-hmm. So that's what I want to remember You want to remember good things I know that a lot of people's like Oh, that's the anniversary of my dad's death And the, sad thoughts I don't want sad thoughts I want to remember her fondly I want happy memories So that's what yeah. I did And that's what pushed me That's I think that was the biggest push It's like her anniversary is coming up And I need to finish this, and I need Mm -hmm. to publish. That's what pushed me. I went, got to the point where I told my family, "I'm not doing any chores. I'm not cleaning house. I'm not doing dishes. You're all in charge because (laughs) I have to concentrate on my book." Yeah. And and I and I, you know, well, of course, once I once I finished the book, uh, you know, I the house still isn't clean. (laughs) (laughs) That was March 18th.
2: Well, that's why I went to Hawaii (laughs) for four weeks to finish my book. Uh, to start my book, actually. Fourth thing. Yeah. You know, I tried I to go away to thing. finish
1: an, on my own. I tried to do it, just go away. But the where I wrote best was here at home. Okay. So uh, that's why I had to come back and just just finish it and just tell everybody no distractions. I'm just going to finish yeah. this.
2: It's one of the few places yeah. my wife will actually go with me because it has to be fun and beautiful, or she won't go. Yeah. Like she won't go to Des Moines, Iowa. No no <laughs> offense, Des Moines. But I got her because when I was there, the New York City Ballet was in town. And so I drove to the university to, to see it. And I told her. And she goes, no, no, you can't go there without me. I said, well, honey, you had the opportunity to come to Boring Des Moines, but you said no. And so I got her back. Anyway. It's it's uh, I think we've got about three minutes left. What can you leave us with that you haven't already told us? And I, I think the message here is, number one, it's a it's an amazing book. And I am looking forward to reading it because you sent it to me yeah. and I just scanned it. But now I'm going to read it and I will send you my uh, critiques and I'll even uh, send a review on Amazon because we all like those, don't we? And the second thing is to encourage other caregivers. I think your message to caregivers is journal, 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 because number one, it'll save your sanity. It may keep you from dying because 30% of caregivers die before their loved ones do, and the rest of them become sicker, hospitalized, need a caregiver of their own. This just might keep you out of the hospital and keep you out of the morgue just by picking up a pen and writing your thoughts, you know, Get it out because if it's in, it's going to cause cancer and ulcers and, and all sorts of bad things. So get it out. Or yes. I heard one speaker say he brought a little flush thing on a toilet. He says, just flush. Flush. <laughs> <laughs> so That's go ahead. funny. That's it's right. your turn. Yeah, you can use that. <laughs>
1: um, yes. Yeah. Um, journaling. That's one of the things. I actually put it in my book um, that I hope that what people get out of this book is for them to – uh, either journal, you can you can post it on you know social media. You can write it down. You can put it in a document. You can write it in a uh, uh, you know if you prefer on a little you journal. You can
2: dictate also.
1: You can dictate it. However, okay. you want to do it, but um, get get those memories up because you're gonna want to read back these things later on. After I mean, it took me a while to go back, but you know once you know through the grieving process, it helps to have your memories. Uh, Mm -hmm. Your future generations are gonna want to read your memories. So this is like really important. Uh, The other thing that I wanted people to know is, self-care is so important. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't have time for myself. You need to make time because you can't be at your best and help your loved one if you're a wreck. So you really need to find ways to self-care, and like I said, I put three references in the back of the book on where to, you know, search for caregiver help, and Dave's is one of them. So I hope mine is one of them. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know about yours.
2: <laughs> yes, when I wrote Adrian. the book,
1: I did not know about yours. Adrian,
2: Adrian is a, has been a big influence on me because she started way before I did. And so I'm just trying to, you know, catch up to her. And uh, and when I grow up, I want to be just like her. So <laughs> Yay! We appreciate you coming on the show. How can someone get a hold of you or or the book? How can or... we
1: read your blog? And we, oh, yeah. I actually have, I don't have a blog, but I do have a Facebook page Facebook. that I, I did send send you the link on. Okay, it's on the form there. So. Uh, basically Facebook, and my book is on Amazon only on Amazon. I didn't, I don't have it anywhere else, but it's also in Kindle format. And if you go to the Kindle page, you can read the first two chapters.
2: Well, you know, if you ever want to go on a book tour and go on television and speak on stages, I'll tell you how I did it. So uh, other people go. have said that they've given $10,000 to a publicist And they didn't get one-tenth of the results that I've been getting So wow. I've been on 25 morning shows all across the country But you'd have to travel, of course I
1: know. I've and, seen
2: you, and, you I kind of like my
1: job I like my yeah. job, I think I'll,
2: stay I'll put. stick around <laughs> Yes, I'll stay
1: put But thank you all right. Thanks so much for having me
2: And Adrian, how do we get a hold of you? Uh,
1: it, uh, does my name appear on
0: the screen?
2: It just says Adrian,
0: Adrian. does it spell properly?
2: Let me see. Uh, A D R I E N N E. That is correct.
0: Good. So I don't have to say it every week. It's well, Adrian. you should at... put
2: the last name, then you won't have to say your last name either.
0: No, it's Adrian at thecaregiverspace.org, yep. and the website's thecaregiverspace.org and you can get to the facebook page and every place else instagram and yes and
2: but I unfortunately Adrian I have bad news for you what that for all of the audio broadcasts that cannot see you or your name and the way it's spelled you will still have to spell it
0: <laughs> well you just spelled it for me so
2: yes okay so you're you're covered this week So, and I'm uh, Caregiver Dave, caregiverdave.com, and that's our one-stop shopping, folks. You can go there and get three free gifts. You get my first book, absolutely free, about overcoming unbelievable hardships. You get uh, this quiz on uh, are you a candidate for burnout, just in case you don't know if you are or not, (laughs) which I can't imagine. And the third one is I give you this this audio soundtrack of of how to relax, because a lot of people... A lot of caregivers have insomnia, they they can't get to sleep, and, you know, they're, they're looking at the clock, it's midnight, it's 1 a.m., it's 2 a.m., it's 3 a.m., their eyes are wide open. This could help you sleep and fall asleep and stay asleep. So uh, caregiverdave.com, and we are just so grateful for every one of you and thankful that, uh Angie has been following me. You just sometimes you just never know who's following you. And and here <laughs> we have someone who's an author who wrote about me and, and I pray I, I put my blessings over the book and may it just sell a million copies.
0: And God <laughs> bless
2: everybody and thanks for coming on and we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Caregiver's
1: Caregiver Radio Program with Dave Nassani.